Good evening. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And it's been a pretty eventful week since we last spoke after the North London derby. Um, we'll get on to the, the Spurs inquest, I'm sure. But let's start off with Arsenal, Jason, because you actually are in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Uh, how do you feel about the, the draw and your prospective route to the final? And how did you feel about your 3-3 draw with West Ham at the weekend? Yes, it really is all about the draw, word draw at the moment. Um, Thursday night was actually my birthday. Thursday, the day was my birthday. And I thought, oh, you know what? First time, I think, for a long time, it's been Arsenal on my birthday. And I'm going to you know, sit down and watch and enjoy. And it was just it was just so boring. I mean, I... I was, you know, when you're watching a game, but you're not really like nothing's going in, and you just can't really remember anything of the game because it was so boring. And it was like watching Arsenal the earlier part of the season when nothing's happening, and it just felt so frustrating and sluggish. And and you know, I thought they were going to get a second goal and make it really hard for us, but at the end of the day, I can't complain because we did what we had to do. We didn't completely capitulate. We got through. There wasn't any motivation for it. He'd mixed and matched the lineup again. So I'm not going to complain too much. Um, in terms of the draw, couldn't have worked out better. I mean, Prague on the surface of it, apart from maybe um, uh, Granada and Zagreb on paper. I mean, in reality, it's a different story. Probably the easiest team, but we know those are the most challenging sometimes, you know cold wet thursday night in prague um it could be difficult over two legs so we need to just you know again keep all our players fit keep a bit of momentum in the premier league so that they've got the legs in them and you know go again and focus and do what we've done all europa league season and if we can get through that which i believe we've got the potential to if if we don't get through it we don't deserve it and then there's you know that is just where we are as a club i think at the moment we're just hoping that some of the young talents and the big senior players could just have their best games at the right moments um, when it really matters. And that semi-final draw, again, absolutely perfect. You know, either a game against Zagreb, which I believe Arsenal, unlike Spurs, can can, can do it over two legs quite comprehensively, um, or Villarreal, a return for Unai, which will be an unbelievable story to get to the Europa League final. It would have been an amazing final, but, you know, it could absolutely backfire. The embarrassment to Arteta. Unai could be having his Adibayor moment. Um, and it could be, a you know, a real vindic- area of vindication for him. Um, he is the specialist in Europa, getting to finals at least. Um and then, you know, the other side of the draw, you've got all the big boys, I would say. Roma, Ajax, United. I think we can take anyone in that competition. I just don't know whether we've got that focus and consistency. And I think all those individual errors might catch up, especially in a final. But I think the quality's there. And I think at our best, our name's on the cup. That's my personal feeling. And it would be so special to win a European trophy, the first one I'd ever seen in my lifetime, regardless of calibre, to get back in the Champions League. It would just open up the future again for Arsenal. 
um, lose any of those points in the next three rounds, I suppose. And it, and it's and it probably spells the beginning of the end for Arteta, in my opinion. It really is. It's a bit like Unai in that first season. You know, don't do it, and and you're out. Um, so yeah, that's my view on the draw. And then I suppose going to the weekend, it was the same old before, same performance. And and I think what's frustrating Arsenal fans the most is Aubameyang and his lacklustre performance midweek. It was pathetic. He was missing open goals and skying it wide. It did look like he didn't care. And it happened again on the weekend. You're thinking, really, like, why are you starting? You don't deserve to start. And where are these non-negotiables for these senior players? David Luiz has been terrible. He only turns up once in a while. Don't know why he's not playing Rob Holding anymore. Don't know why he rested Gabriel. It worked out fine with Callum Chambers on uh, and right back, but but why? You have fit Hector Bellerin, it looks like, and you've got Cedric. I, I don't know why he's playing around, and Tierney plays every game. So, very odd. Very, very odd selections at the moment. For me, the big one is Aubameyang doesn't deserve to play, and I think it's the end of the road for him based on all the things that happened for the derby, the way he turned up midweek the way he's been playing all season. I think he doesn't care enough. I don't think there's too much invested apart from the money. And I, I, I'd i be happy to see the back of him um, this summer so we can rebuild and build it around Martinelli and spend that money elsewhere where we actually need it. Um, in my opinion, a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper who can actually, you know, do what Arteta wants to do. Maybe go and buy back Martinez if, you, if you've got, if you've got the balls. Um, it's interesting uh, I'd like to thank Michael on air for a lovely book he bought me for my birthday and it's all about football psychology and there, there's something called um, it, it's a modality about responsibility it's called retrospective modality and it talks about the attributional dimension of responsibility to justify and defend one's choices to prevent or minimise any sanctions and it says for example a football player who's late for training may provide excuses to, vote, to divest himself of responsibility now it rings a bell with someone we've been talking about and i don't know whether the excuses have been there i think the fact is it sounds like the excuses haven't even been there it sounds like it's just he's just gone with it um pulled a stroppy face and, and continued down the line so responsibility is the key thing here and i think going beyond that accountability and I don't think we've seen that from our captain this year. And I, I think that, you know, I, we're through in the Europa League. And we're really lucky. The league season's over for us. We, we, uh, it was great to see the, the glimpses in the second half at West Ham. And it gives me hope for going forward. But, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing to play for um, apart from maybe a, a, a Europa League place. And that will just be a consequence of whether we can be bothered to show up this year. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a mixed bag of feelings and I'm sure throwing it back to you I mean you know you've got we, we've gone from kind of ecstasy to kind of a bit of flatness and and the kind of polar opposite for you I suppose yeah well it's interesting why you while you were talking there you, you mentioned about obviously the prospect of Arsenal winning the Europa League and that and that being the first European trophy that you've seen and I just looked up um Arsenal's European honours and uh you won the Intercities Fair Cup in 1970 and the Cup Winners' Cup in 1994. And the reason I bring this up is just to reiterate to our listeners that, that Tottenham have actually won more European trophies than Arsenal. We won the UEFA Cup twice and the, the Cup Winners' Cup once. So I guess it would be nice for Arsenal to actually win their first 
major European trophy, really, and, and to finally draw level with Tottenham on, on the number of European trophies. But um, to get away from the past, um, which is somewhere where I'd like to stay, no. okay. uh, and look at the present, uh, yeah, complete opposite emotions in terms of the Europa League. Um, whew, where do I even begin? I mean, it just feels like it was a massive waste of time now, a whole Europa League campaign, particularly... Um, given we started right at the, the bottom with those three qualifying rounds, you kind of look back now and think maybe we should have just lost to Plovdiv. It would have been embarrassing at the time, but then we would have saved ourselves all this hassle and effort. And I think Mourinho in particular had invested so much in the Europa League and it was such a dominant part of our season that to, to go out in the manner that we did. I mean, we joked beforehand about Spurs being the first team to play against an opponent who had a our managers just gone to prison bounce um but but they did and um i think i I heard it was the first time we've thrown a two-goal lead away in europe since 63 64 um and it's it's the exact kind of thing that that Mourinho was brought in for right to to win those kind of matches and and for that not to happen but if anything it was it we've become even more i mean i hate to use the term but we've become even more spursy under Mourinho than we were before um and it was interesting afterwards i think obviously the main talking point afterwards was not what Mourinho had to say but what larice had to say which was one of the most revealing post-match interviews i think i've ever seen from anyone involved with spurs um And it's interesting because amongst Spurs fans, and I think amongst some neutrals as well, the debate has kind of been, well, is this the players or is is this Jose? And obviously we know Jose likes to throw players under the bus. But if you you don't want to listen to Jose or or don't agree with Jose, you know, Hugo Lloris is someone who is a World Cup winner. He's the captain. He, you know, I've criticised his form lately and his performances. But one thing you can't doubt is his professionalism and for him to come out and say essentially that there are players in that squad who because they're not in the first team are essentially downing tools and causing trouble it really hints to a a divided dressing room and again you can say well Mourinho is to blame for that because we know how he's exiled players and doesn't make players who aren't in the first team necessarily feel that important or, or encouraged but at the same time this is something that predates Mourinho hearing Lloris say that reminded me of Pochettino after we got knocked out the Carabao Cup to Colchester last season on penalties which was kind of an equally embarrassing cup exit and Pochettino was talking about there being different agendas in the squad and Mourinho kind of said something similar even after the Villa game that we won at the weekend so this has been a a long-term problem and it makes you think back and I remember when Kieran Trippier left for Atletico Madrid he talks about there being behind the scenes issues at Spurs and we all kind of ignored it at the time but when when you hear what Lloris said and then think back to what Poch said to what Trippier said it's clear that these kind of fault lines these warning signs have been there for a long time and that there's a a mentality issue at the club there's there's an unhappiness at the squad Lloris said there isn't a togetherness so no doubt Mourinho's probably added fuel to the fire in that respect the kind of character he is and his approach to man management but at the same time it's a problem that, that you know, precedes him and will succeed him if he's replaced in the summer and there aren't changes to the squad. And I think you get a result and performance uh, like Zagreb and it makes you just think we need to rip up and start again. Do what Pochettino did in his first season at the club. Do what Arteta is doing at Arsenal now. Get rid of those players who've been around for a long time and whose attitudes maybe aren't right anymore and rebuild around the youth. I mean, we saw Villa at the weekend, Tanganga, Joe Roden, 
even someone like Vinicius, you know, build around a, a young spine of players who are going to work hard for you, who who don't have the big egos yet, maybe, and, and who are willing to kind of give their all for for the club. Whether Mourinho is the manager who's best placed to do that, you know, a, a lot, you know, I guess remains to be seen. He hasn't been that in the past. And I guess, obviously, the, the instant reaction after that the Zagreb game was to say, well, you know, Mourinho out. But then at the same point, as I said before, you can change the manager. But unless there's a clear out in that squad and a rebuild that, that Pochettino was calling for before he was sacked, I think you're going to get, you might get slightly better performances, but I think by and large, you'll get similar results. And I think, you know, everyone's to blame. It's, it's not just all on Mourinho, it's the players as well. And Daniel Levy, you know, there was talk recently, 20 years in charge of the club. I think in that time, he's appointed 11 managers, maybe 12 if he then sacks Mourinho in the summer. So what, 11, 12 managers in 20 years and one trophy doesn't speak to a very well-run club in terms of the footballing decision-making. I mean, you can't fault Levy for what he's done for the club financially and, and the way he's grown the club in terms of revenue, the stadium, all the rest of it. But you know, footballing-wise, I, I said it last time we spoke, we, we've lurched from manager to manager with completely different styles. There's been no kind of coherent philosophy or, or sporting strategy at the club. So I think there really does need to be, you know, if Levy does end up sacking Mourinho, and I, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because, look, I mean, it's it's crazy that for all this negativity, understandably, given the Europa League exit, but we are only three points off the top four. Being out of the Europa League now might actually give us a huge advantage in qualifying for the Champions League via the Premier League. We've got that cup final. We're not going to win it, but, you know, who knows? Strange things have happened. We could still be ending this season having had one of the most successful seasons in my lifetime if, if we finish top four and win that trophy. And yet there's still all this negativity. And even if we did achieve those things, I think there'd still be a lot of Spurs fans who want to see the back of Mourinho and there would still be a sense that we need some big changes both in the squad and up in the boardroom as well. Um, we won at the weekend against Villa, but I don't know how much to read into that because let's be honest, if Villa had Grealish, I think that would have been a different story. And he played a very different team and dropped loads of players to get a reaction. But I mean, is that going to be the team now for the rest of the season? You know, how, how sustainable is that moving forwards? He's clearly stuck with a lot of players who he doesn't like and who don't like him. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, on the one hand, part of me can still see us having a very successful end to the season. But on the other hand, I can see us losing that cup final quite heavily, drifting in the league. And then we're kind of looking at maybe new managers in, in the summer. But then, given what I've just said about Levy, do you really trust him to make the right appointment? I mean, all of his best appointments have been accidents. Pochettino, he only got because he didn't get Louis van Gaal. Um, Redknapp came in because to save us from relegation, basically, when all things went wrong, wrong under Ramos. Uh, and who's to say that another manager would even do a better job? I mean, I think what this has shown is is what a good job Pochettino did. That's why he, I mean, we kind of forgot this, but the reason why he was praised so much was because he had that team punching above its weight. And then we thought that that was these players' natural level to be title contenders or Champions League finalists. But since he's gone, we've realized that a lot of these players, that wasn't their natural level. They were being made to look better than they were. And let's not forget, before Pochettino, a normal good season for Spurs would be maybe finishing in the top four and going on a good cup run. And that's kind of, if you take away the Europa League, what we've done, we've got to a Carabao Cup final and we're pushing for the top four, but it's the underlying performances and I suppose the happiness of the club going right back to what Larissa was saying that, that isn't there. And 
Yeah, I don't know. That was probably quite rambling and incoherent, but I think it probably captures the kind of confusion I feel with Spurs at the moment in terms of what to think of this season and who, you know who's to blame. Um, but I think whatever happens, whether it's Mourinho in or Mourinho out, whether we finish top four or not, whether we're in a trophy or not, I feel like there needs to be some big changes in the summer, whether that's in the squad, in the dugout, in the boardroom or all of the above. Mm, it's interesting. So there are a couple of big points in what you just said that kind of resonated with me. I think the first one was about this kind of the attitude of the players, you were saying, and kind of what Lloris said, and that that's kind of been a recurring theme, you know, immediately that comes to mind for me is the Deli Alley situation, the Danny Rose thing. And it sort of reminds me about what happened at Arsenal, because as you know, the Meza Urzu shadow, shadow was, was, was lurking for a while. Mustafi, Kolasinac, Socrates, and there, there were these rumours, and I don't know how true they are about this kind of, I guess almost like when you used to have with Chelsea, the rumours of the old guard, and they kind of got managers out. It's kind of a bit like that. They were, they were I think, Guadouzi as well, these bad influences that kind of were influencing the club and, and, and creating a culture of, of, I don't know, I don't know, a culture where the manager couldn't really take control and have the respect he needed. And as you've seen us shift all those players out, you have seen a better Arsenal, a more positive Arsenal. Um, unfortunately, it can go through cycles. So at the moment, it looks like with William and Aubameyang and David Luiz, we could be starting a whole new cycle after getting rid of them. So that's something to address. And I think with Spurs, you know, I was thinking about this, your team, most of the players of the core team have been there quite a while. And so that's why maybe you've you've got that 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 kind of lurk lurk over i'm going to create a word of, of, of that feeling and i i don't know it's a bit like i've always said please just get rid of anyone who was associated with venga so we can have a new era and maybe you now you know the pot year is done you need to kind of rebuild in that sense i don't think i've ever seen jose do a proper rebuild um especially not with big without big money um and I think that will be the key. You know, he has to rebuild. He can't just keep this team because they're not going to stay. You know, there are players who are going to leave just because it's their time up and, you know, on the periphery or that it, it's just it's just that time of their career. And then there'll be players who, if you don't get into the Champions League and or win a trophy, they'll think, you know what, it's time to leave. Whether that's Harry Kane or not this year, I don't know. Whether it could be a, a Son or a... Then I don't even know who, who, who good players are. Anymore, <laughs> um, and then to your second point, a bit about the fans, you know, still a lot of Jose fans who want Jose out, but then at the same time, yeah, you could have an amazing season, you know, top four and a, and a cup is great, but it's all about expectations. You know, with Arsenal, we knew we were behind everyone. So top four or Champions League and getting through and, and winning something is, is a success for us. For Spurs, it's, it's you know, what, what, do you, what do you want? Do you want to grow and dominate? You know, that's why you built the stadium. That's why you, know, you brought in Jose Mourinho. Or do you want to just keep ticking over? And, you know, as you said, winning that trophy and, and cup. And I wonder whether it's because there was so much mediocrity from the start of the Premier League till about 10 years ago that anything that resembles success, like a top four place or a little trophy, is enough for Spurs. But I think it's about them looking at, OK, we look how far we've grown. Where do we want to go next? Do we want to be a club that's just amongst the best or do we want to be the best? Um, and, you know, on paper, you would have thought Jose Mourinho was 
the key. And then you're right. It's like, well, where do you go from there? You know, you've, you've tried the young manager and he did take them all, you know, beyond what they could they could possibly achieve probably without anyone else, with anyone else. And and then you've brought in the master at winning things and he might not win anything. And, and, and that's, I think that's, it must be a scary thought, thought for Spurs fans because it's where next. And I think, you know, from an outside perspective, it might be just one of those times that, I think when Liverpool, you know, after Rafa left and it all just went a bit bland and then they fell out and in and out and then Klopp came in and bang, boom. And whether I, I don't think Spurs have the financial power and pull necessarily of Liverpool, but they've certainly got the infrastructure to bring in, you know, like you say, a Nagelsmann potentially to build something special there. So I think the summer's going to be really interesting. I personally think Jose will leave no matter what because I think... Daniel Levy will see that, you know, well, this hasn't been, you know, he probably thought we were going to win the league and and there we go and and everything else that happens in the next 10 years doesn't really matter because we brought back the glory days. Um, it hasn't happened. And, um, you know, they might just need to say, you know what, let's cash in while we can. Otherwise, this could get even worse. Um, it could be even more toxic and, and, and let's build something. So that that's from an outsider perspective, I suppose. And I think... From an Arsenal perspective, it's a lot more exciting when you're seeing something grow rather than thinking that this is the peak and it not being good enough. And I know that, you know, it's easy to say those things in hindsight and when things are going better than you think they should. But I think that, you know, it's it's all about that growth and development. I think football for me is it's about hope as well and about, you know, feeling that you could do something special. And when you lose that hope, and that's what happened with Emery and Wenger at the end, then there's almost no point as a fan watching and, and caring. And you, know, you start to think, I don't care if we go out this cup. And it even happened early in the season, the FA Cup. I was like, eh, you know what, like whatever. Um, and that, that, that apathy is probably the worst feeling as a football fan. Yeah, the apathy. I mean, because the thing is, that is how I felt after the Zagreb game. I wasn't actually that angry or upset. I just felt complete apathy and it, there was a grim predictability to it like when the first goal went in I was like oh okay uh, you know I know what's happening here and even though it was in a way it felt like like I said something we'd really invested in with the Europa League falling apart I didn't actually feel it, in a way I was more upset about how I wasn't that upset I thought you know this should be more but it, it just showed how the emotional bond to the team had been kind of severed. And in a way, I guess that's inevitable and something that maybe a lot of fans are dealing with at the moment, not being able to actually, you know, no fans in the ground. But but to pick up on your point about kind of what success means for Spurs and ambition and stuff, in a way, I think the fact that a lot of Spurs fans are unhappy with this season speaks to how much our expectations have risen. Because any other season, you know, at this stage of the season, to be three points on the top four and in the cup final, like I said, most other seasons for Spurs, that's a brilliant position to be in um, at this time of the year. But because under Pochettino, we did have title challenges and we did get to champion, Champions League final and there was that style of football, this isn't as um, acceptable. And it's funny because I saw, I saw earlier today, we're top of the form table and yet it, the story is crisis at Spurs. And I get why, because of the Europa League exit. But I mean, we had embarrassing Europa League exits before under Pochettino, we got knocked out to Ghent in the, the last 32. But I guess the difference there was we didn't have as much invested in the Europa League and we were going for bigger things. 
And I guess, yeah, at the moment, it feels like we're, we're miles away now from being title contenders, which is what we were before. Um, but I do think it wouldn't take much to, to turn things around either, despite my negativity. Um, and I know very much that the problems Spurs have right now are kind of first world problems in the footballing world. I mean, I also support Grimsby Town, who are at the foot of League Two and have had a horrendous season on and off the pitch. So I know that the position Spurs are in, you know, most clubs would kill. I mean, even, you know, even big clubs would kill to be just three points off the top four and in with a chance of winning a trophy. Um, and I think it's a sign of how far we've come that we're having, you know, our worst season for what, five years maybe? And yet we're above Arsenal, only three points off Chelsea in our first domestic cup final for uh, six years or so. Um, but yeah, it's strange. I think it's it's what you were saying as well about the, the feeling of hope and, and progression, because that, that's the thing. The underlying performances haven't been there. And to put it, put it this way, I can think of um, plenty of times where, I, well, no, I can't think of a single time this season where we've lost, but we played well. But I can think of plenty of times where we won playing badly. And I think that's what explains why Spurs fans feel the way they do about this season, despite how promising it might look on paper, putting the Europa League thing to one side. And then obviously there's Mourinho and his history and his tactics and his treatment of players as well, which just exacerbates all of that. Um, if we had a different manager, you know, if you had the exact same results under a different manager um, who was maybe a bit younger, a bit more progressive and the performances were better, then there probably would be a lot more positivity around Spurs because it would feel like we were going somewhere. But that's the thing. And like you said, Mourinho has is, is never been a rebuild manager. He's never been a long-term manager. Traditionally, now is around the time he usually peaks at a club. And so I think that's the thing. But kind of going back to Arsenal, and because I know you, you've said there's a feeling of positivity there and a feeling like you're going places but I don't know in what world is it kind of because people say Mourinho should be getting more out of this squad and this squad are better than they're showing but surely that should apply to Arsenal as well I mean I know you've progressed in the Europa League and and that's good and, and we'll see what happens there but I still you know from an outside perspective even though I've enjoyed Arsenal's decline over the years I still see you as a club that you know you shouldn't be ninth or tenth in the league and I feel like Arteta's league form has kind of gone under the radar a bit because of Mourinho at Spurs getting all this criticism and because he won the FA Cup last year and is still in Europa. But like you said, with the beginning and the end of Arteta, I mean, we talked a lot about how much Mourinho and Spurs are on a knife edge. But given, you know, you're likely to maybe finish around mid-table this season, particularly if you do go deep in the Europa League, you know, if you don't win that Europa League, then how much scrutiny and pressure do you think will be on Mikel Arteta, or do you think because of the youth and because of the kind of positive performances here and there that you still feel that sense of progression? Because, I mean, you're on track to finish potentially in an even worse league position than you did last year, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I believe we are. And it's interesting because I feel like last year, because he, it was his first season, but he came in halfway through and there was the start of COVID, it was all uncertain and we had all this toxicity around the club and, the, the, you know, the players on long contracts. I think I think I give him the benefit of the doubt last season. And with the cup win as well, in those circumstances, it was very special. I think he gets, you know, gets a, he gets a, an A plus and he gets a gold star. And I think last season, you can't really fault it because it was damaged before it started. 
Now, I don't want to make use COVID as an excuse, but it, but it is an excuse for clubs. You know, you look at Liverpool this year, even though we're not like like them, but, uh, you know, not everyone's performed to the best of their ability unless they've spent hundreds and hundreds of millions on their on their squad, which uh, Man United and Man City have, um, albeit, and Chelsea, albeit Leicester, are always the exception because they're so well managed by Brendan Rodgers. Um, and yeah, I guess it's a season two halves for me. You look at the form table, and again, we were... You know, if the season started, I know it doesn't count at 2021, then, then we're in the top four. So I think that first half of the season, it was the toxic player hangover still. It was the terrible purchase of Willian and the kind of pressure to keep playing him. Aubameyang's bad form, potentially due to off-pitch matters. Um, it all just culminated at once. And I think for that, I still believe he deserved to be sacked at that time. And he, he just about turned it around at the right point um, for that Chelsea game. And I do understand what you mean. I think I think the truth is it would have been curtains, but in the in the circumstances with the money and COVID and everything, it, it just wasn't. And he's shown enough in that turn to show, OK, I can adapt. I can bring in these young players. I can grow these young players. They're starting to look good. I can shift out the toxic players. I can help us win big games. Um, he went on that defensive run. So there, there have been glimpses. And I think this is. I, I think this was the transition season where you're getting rid of the bad. You're bringing through the good. I think, you know, if things had gone to plan and everyone had turned up from the start, of this season and we should have been going for top four like everyone said and that when you look at it from that benchmark this is a disgrace and the manager should be out i think when you just all things considered you've just got to give that benefit of the doubt and it hurts me as an arsenal fan because i'm usually quite flippant um that's my identity in a way as a football fan but i feel like there's been enough in this second part to show that the football has improved it's more exciting you can see what he's trying to do, but he hasn't got the quality of players to do it. And that might be his downfall, that he thinks he can do a City with an Arsenal squad, which he can't. Um, and he needs to be more clever on that. And yes, there have been some poor results, but it, the performances just haven't been like that at Arsenal for so long, since peak Wenger. Or like, you know, post-peak Wenger, when it was still kind of peaky. Um, I, I would say that, yeah... It'll, if we finish mid-table and we don't win the Europa League, it's going to be it's going to be miserable. The pl- I know the club won't pull the trigger. I think they'll say, you know what, okay, we knew we weren't good enough for it. We gave it a good go, considering. All right, Mikel, you've got rid of the players you wanted to get rid of. We've given you some money. You've got your core of youth. This is the summer. You decide who needs to go. Who are the hangers-on from the Wenger era? Who are the hangers-on from an age perspective and a, and a, and a kind of um, quality perspective. So, you know, there's no excuse for David Luiz to be there. Shaka borderline, although I argue squad player at the max. Aubameyang, you've got to have serious questions asked. Um, and then, you know, you have players like Torreira and Guendouzi coming back. You have to decide once and for all. You know, El Mene, no, he's tried, he's done, he's finished. You've got this core of youth, you know, in Ketia, decide now or never, loan or not loan. Um, Balogun, God knows what's going to happen there. Who is your centre-back parent? You know, there's, there's so many uncertainties. And the summer and a fuller pre-season, albeit you have the Euros, um, 
a more normal traditional sense and if fans are coming back and things start to look a bit more familiar you need to say that that is the time that okay you, you've had your half season of uncertainty you've you've taken it you've 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 done your outs you've done your ins you've you've toyed you've experimented you know the premier league now you've had a year and a half of a full season of, of work experience at, at arsenal it's now or never and if they hit if they don't hit the ground running next season and that I think you you give until Christmas because you really have an idea of where it's going, you know what your peak probably is and what your you know relative minimum is. And if it's not, I'd say if it's not top four, then he's out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's as simple as that for me. What what do Arsenal fans want? Do you want us to keep Mourinho? Are Arsenal fans very much? you're enjoying our misery and want to see Mourinho stay? Or do you kind of want to see Mourinho, uh, sack Mourinho because you think we'll continue, you know, that'll in a way be even funnier? I don't know. What, what's the Arsenal point of view on the Mourinho question? It's a really weird one because I don't really think, well, do I think about it every night and day? Probably a little bit. I, I like the funny fact that it could be Jose not winning a trophy and it just all goes down the pan, that plan. But yeah, you're right. If it's going badly, then you want him to stay. But it is something about that kind of headline of Jose being sacked or leaving that just and the club with no direction and no new manager and players leaving like that uncertainty is a lot more addictive for a rival fan. Um, that's where my my I would be more interested in seeing Mourinho um, leave Spurs after argument with Levy, rather than Mourinho signs one-year contract extension, because I do believe that he has enough in him to, to find a way to win with that team. So there's still that fear because of his record that he could somehow fluke it when he when he gets the right tools. And I suppose flipping the question to you with Arteta, I mean, it sounds like I, hint, I hear a hint of uh, jealousy in a way of, of us having a long-term project. It's funny. I mean, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm that, jealous at all really at the moment because I look at the league form and like I say I, I think in a way he's getting away with murder at the moment I, only that FA Cup win and the Europa League run I feel uh, and the fact that Mourinho is around in North London is keeping the criticism away from him and I can't help but think if it was a different manager producing the exact same results and performances as Arteta they'd probably be getting a lot more criticism for it I mean I do think he is and will be a good manager but I think he could definitely as much as he has improved elements of Arsenal I think he could definitely be doing better but I, what I do envy is the fact that Arsenal fans do seem to be happy I mean I'm kind of happy that you're happy with mid-table um, and embracing that mediocrity and decline but I am envy I mean the thing with Mourinho I kind of want him gone now mainly not, nothing to do with football but well that as well but predominantly just so everyone could kind of just be happy again like it's almost like Brexit when you're talking about Mourinho with fellow Spurs fans, it's become such a kind of polarised, toxic debate. And I can't imagine what it would be like when fans are back in the stadium as well, if he's still there next season, the moment we have a bad result or performance. And I kind of just feel like for everyone's happiness, it'd be best to just move him on so we and hopefully bring in a manager who people can just get behind again and where there isn't going to be all of this sort of sideshow and soap opera. Like even in the press, like every match is just... A referendum on Mourinho and I think as I was saying earlier it kind of distracts from some of the other things that are going on at, at the club so 
I want what Arsenal have in terms of, I suppose, that feeling of positivity and progression, but I don't want the, the mid-table league position. Yeah, that's understandable. And I guess it's nice in a way right now, you know, everyone has a break in the international break, maybe not for injuries, but um, just to kind of take stock and, and come back to their plans. You know, you'd expect Jose to be in his office and Arteta in his office, you know, fine-tuning what they've got to do to meet their goals this season. And, and I thought it'd be a good time to touch base on international there because we don't speak too much about it on this podcast. And I guess from an Arsenal and Spurs perspective, um, what I really noticed, and I guess it's because I'm an England fan, um, unfortunately, is that the Spurs presence in the England lineup compared to what it was is like, oh my God, what's happened there? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's only Harry Kane, isn't it, who's yeah. who survived. I mean, Eric Dyer. I mean, Eric Dyer is in the squad, isn't he, for the, yeah, these just, internationals? Which, to be honest, he doesn't deserve to be. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I doubt he'll start. But yeah, you look. I mean, Delhi, obviously, we know isn't playing. Uh, Winks is, um, you know, similar. Uh, who else was in the? Uh, I mean, when Trippier was in the World Cup squad, yeah. he was a Spurs player at that at that stage. So. Um, but yeah, and I think in a way that's indicative of, of yeah, what's happened yeah, at Tottenham. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's indicative of what's happened at Tottenham. You know, our players, aside from Harry Kane, a lot of our players have declined or, or been in poor form. I mean, in a way, it's kind of a mixed bag. So I guess you want to see your players playing for their country and doing well. But then there's also, during the season, there's always the injury concerns. Um, and it would be typical if, if Harry Kane picks up a knock here and then was injured when we, the, the season starts again and we, he's not available for the cup final or, or for the run-in. But yeah, I think, um, and I, I think that's been what's behind a, a lot of the, um, the discontent at Spurs. I don't think it, I, I, the fact that the England squad announcement came out on the day of those Europa League games and Harry Winks and Deli Ali were the first two to be substituted when we conceded. And probably felt like they were being made out to be scapegoats. And I think those two players in particular have struggled under Mourinho. Um, so in a way, the international break from a Spurs perspective, I think highlights a lot of the the issues we've had. Um, are you think? And I know, I know Saka is in the the squad. Are you are you kind of looking now? At, do you think in a way the Arsenal young players coming through might do what the likes of Dyer and Kane and Winks and Delhi did a few years ago? And you, you might have a little kind of generation of, of young young lions in, in the Arsenal squad? Yeah, I do. I think there's the opportunity. I mean, I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles, his loan move was just such a bad move for him. He just went to the wrong club. You know, he hasn't shone particularly. Um, and that's been a real shame for him. And he would have been, I think he still would have been better off at Arsenal and, and stayed in the England squad. Um, Joe Willock is looking relatively good for Newcastle. Again, probably not the ideal loan move, but if he can actually stay up... Um, then that then that'll be great for him and, and, and you know build his resilience, I hope, for, for coming back to Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rob Holding, Callum Chambers if he comes back, um Smith Rowe, of course, Saka, um and Ketia and Balogun remains to be seen. But yeah, there's there's a there's a few talents coming through. I know I know Smith Rowe is with the under twenty ones now and I'm a bit frustrated. I'm like, really, do we need to risk him? For an under-21 game, like, does anyone really care? Like, it's nice for them. And obviously, it's, like, how they develop in the team. But, like, like really, honestly, like, he's, he's had injury problems. I just hope he's okay. Um, my mate, Emil. Uh, 
but yeah, I think that there's potentially the start of something special there. But I, I'm not sure if I if I care enough. I almost like the fact that it's all the the big boys, um, like the Sterlings and the I hate to say it, the Canes and and Rashfords too. You know, fly the flag, and I don't need to worry about really if they if they fail because it's like meh, makes the, the clubs worse. Um, yeah, it's an in- it's an interesting one. I guess it, it's a really hard one to know. Do you want full internationals because then they're kind of you know they've got a higher profile. They're more likely to leave. They're more likely to put themselves in the shop window. They're more likely to get injured, um, become scapegoats. At the same time, you know, you you do need that that elite talent. And if they're elite, then they're playing for their countries. However, however big they are, you know, whether they're the main man for England or the most famous man in Gabon. You just um, <laughs> you just don't know. But yeah, it's uh it's 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 one of those things I think and that that it comes in, in in waves. Sometimes you just got the top top talent and, and, and the rest of the clubs don't in, in that national team and and sometimes, you know, there are just dominant players like like the uh you know Tottenham were at one point a couple of years ago with, with our squad. Now it seems to be it seems to be a bit of a mix and match. Probably City, obviously, always kind of uh, dominating. I think it would be interesting what happens at, at the Euros this summer because I wonder how much England winning or not winning the Euros might influence Kane's thinking when it comes to his club future. If he can kind of scratch that trophy itch with England, will he then feel like he less of a need, this supposed need everyone talks about, yeah. in the press for him to have to leave Spurs to win trophies if he wins something huge with England. And I guess on the flip side, could missing out in the Euros, you know, if we get as close to it as we did at, at the World Cup, make him think, oh, you know, I really want that silverware and I need to go somewhere else to, to get it. Yeah, you might be right. I don't, or alternatively, he gets the taste for it and thinks I want to do this on a club level. It's, uh, it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? I... Um... I don't know. Do we have a chance in the Euros? Of course, we always have a chance. I've just got a little bit of a feeling that Southgate peaked quite early. Um, your mate, Gareth. And uh, <laughs> that maybe this summer, it will show where we really are again as a nation and as a league amongst the elite. And uh, yeah, we, I, I've got a feeling we'll be humbled. But I guess it depends. If it's all hosted in England, it might be a little home advantage and, and it's coming home. So who knows? Yeah, it would certainly be a nice. Uh, I mean, who knows if Kane if Kane lifts the the Carabao Cup at Wembley at the end of April, he can then go back there to to lift the Euros with England. It could be the the summer of Harry, although most likely it will be the summer of Sterling because he'll be the one lifting the Carabao Cup. Um, but uh, Spurs can dream at least. Summer of Harry, that's a good headline. I feel like that's something that the, the royal families wouldn't want in the, uh, in the summer. Um, <laughs> That's nearly Easter as well. So I had a question for you, a little bantery question as usual. Um, if your club spurs were an Easter egg right now, which Easter egg would they be? Which Easter egg would they be? Oh, it'd be one with that's got a really, really good box and packaging. And you think, oh, this is, this is going to taste amazing. This is going to be great. And then you open it up and it's just like all melted or all tastes horrible you know it's all looks good on the outside looks good on paper but actually the the ingredients weren't good it's it's all gone wrong and it tastes horrible and you think now they need a new they need a new chef send this back to the send this back and and make it again 
It's a good one. I like that. I don't think I'd eat that one, but it, it <laughs> seems appropriate. I'm thinking almost the opposite. You know, we're a bit like a cream egg arsenal, you know, all that sophistication on the inside, got a few elements of everything, you know, real, real taste the rainbow stuff there. And then um, the outside, it's just plain chocolate, guys. It's just, it's just Cadbury's plain chocolate. I mean, you know, there's nothing special about it. Here we, here we are, guys. Obviously, there are other brands if anyone wants to buy. Um, also, I need to get this joke in that, that everyone's really having a Kit Kat Easter egg because we're taking an international break. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, that's all for us. Put, put in a laugh track afterwards in, in the edit. Absolutely. <laughs> Insert track here. I used to like cream eggs, but if they're associated with Arsenal, I'll have to reevaluate my, my options. Well, I guess... Uh, as Jose would say, you're probably like a mini egg, like a mini horse, a pony, not not compared <laughs> to the trophy. A mini egg. Oh. <laughs> and it's live. And it's live. <laughs>